0: I don't like running in winter, but I find that running in the wintertime, when I'm going through a depression state, the cold air that comes over me, relaxes me and soothes me. And even running in the snow helps me also. I, I, I can't explain how those sensations help me, but running calms me.
1: Welcome to Let's Get Uncomfortable, a running podcast where we shake out and purposely go off track on any and everything related to our favorite hobby. Get ready to get uncomfortable along with our guests, because growth only happens outside of your comfort zone. Here are your hosts, Inez Bebea, Jamie Chen, and Nathan Schiller. Hello, I'm Nathan Schiller.
2: Hola, I'm Inez Bebea.
3: Hello, I'm Jamie Chen, and welcome to Let's Get Uncomfortable.
1: Today, our guest is Kim Rodrigues, a Brooklynite born in Guyana who runs with Bridge Runners and Old Man Run Club. Kim got her running start at Tilden High School in Brooklyn, where she focused on 600, 800 meter, 1200 meter, and 400 meter hurdles. To date, Kim has run 15 marathons and is breaking the mold of what master's runners can do with an unmatched sense of style from the hair to the nails or pins in her jacket.
3: Her sense of style sets her apart and every pin on her jacket has a story from an event. Pins on a jacket are definitely easy to wear every day than medals.
2: I appreciate that Kim collects pins the way I collect fridge magnets. You can look back at them and remember who gave them to you and the person. There are many ways to tell a story. But before we, I commit us to requesting a magnet for every future guest, Let's jump into our sports legacy moment. In 2021, at the young age of 62, Japanese distance runner Mariko Yugeta, who was born on May 13, 1958, broke a world record by becoming the first woman ever, over 60, who ran a sub three hour marathon. Her victory, you could say, has been a long time coming. She competed in high school and college at the national level as a middle distance runner in Japan, even making it to the national championships. She was captivated by the first Tokyo International Women's Marathon in 1979 and five years before the Women's Marathon Olympic event in 1982, you get to run, the Tokyo International Women's Marathon for herself, finishing in three hours, nine minutes, 21 seconds. She was 24 and she got faster with age. In 2021, she broke the sub three-hour marathon with two hours, 52 minutes and 13 seconds. Kim, Sports can be hard on the body, easily for distance runners. You're having a birthday soon on January 13th, and you're turning 57. What keeps you running? What keeps me running? Wow. I I believe what keeps me running is
0: I basically just want to stay fit. I, I can't sit still. I must do something. And I also enjoy... Uh, Running with the people I've met through the years that I've been been running within the running community keeps me motivated because I'm running with people half my age, so they keep me motivated and inspired. So that's the main reason why I'm still running.
1: So I mentioned that you ran 15 marathons. Mm -hmm. That's quite an achievement. Is this something that you were doing or thought about doing? earlier in your life, how did you get into running? Did anyone in your family run?
0: I've heard that my, my uh, father was a runner, my uncle was a runner, but my immediate family, no one isn't active as I am. I started running in high school, but I just did it as a way to stay out of trouble and not to hang with the wrong crowd. Because when I first got into high school, I started uh, cutting my classes and hanging with the wrong group. And then a girl in the neighborhood who lived in the neighborhood told me I, I should join the track team. So that's what I did. That's when I started running. And I have always wanted to run a marathon because I've always watched it on television. And every time I watched it on television, I would get emotional and start crying. I don't know why I would cry, but... I found it very emotional, especially when you see the winner arrive into the finish line and the motion that comes over them is as if they're saying, I don't believe I just won the New York City Marathon. And then in 2007, I worked with a woman who ran marathons and I asked her, how can I run a marathon? As you suggested, I run with New York Roadrunners. So in 2008, I did the nine plus one so I could run the 2009 marathon and that was my first marathon, New York City marathon.
2: You mentioned that you had several events in high school that you ran. Can you take us to your favorite running moment given that you started running because someone suggested like hey might be a good way for you to stay mm-hmm. out of trouble when did you know that that was something like hey I like this I'm gonna keep doing it let tell you the truth I actually didn't like it
0: um <laughs> because um as I stated before I only did it as a way to stay out of trouble I didn't like going into practice I didn't like running I thought it was exhausting I couldn't understand how people can do this, but for some reason, I continued doing it. I actually didn't
2: start Love to Run until I started running with Bridge Runners. And how did you end up meeting up with Bridge Runners?
0: I had reached out to a young lady who ran with them, Robin Arzone, about some tights, and she suggested that I come out and run with bridge runners. At the time, I never knew about running crews, so I sort of stalked them on Instagram for a year before I actually went out and ran with them, which was on Halloween 2012. And at the time, their headquarters was on Bowery near Bleecker Street. And when I arrived, there were over a hundred runners preparing to run. And like I said, it's because it was Halloween, I'm guessing that's why so many people were out there running, because when I arrived, they were all doing their face and in Halloween makeup. So that was my my first run with them.
3: Can I take us back to you just mentioned that you were emotional when you watched marathons? So Mm -hmm. for some people, Dil, and you did your nine plus one with New York Roadrunners. So you're running nine Roadrunner races to qualify in 2008. So you ran your first marathon in 2009. Yes. So for some people, it's either one and done. But as we just mentioned, (laughs) you ran several. What were your emotions when you crossed that finish line? What was going through your mind?
0: Oh, my God, I just did that. But for the entire run, I was very emotional
3: because no one
0: told me what to expect when I ran. I was totally taken aback by the crowd and everyone cheering for you once you got into Brooklyn. Coming down, I guess, I, I, I want to say, is it Bedford and I'm down? Lafayette, when we turned down Lafayette. And I saw all those people cheering and and screaming, and even down into Williamsburg, there's just so many people. So I cried for the entire 26 miles. And once I finished, of course, I told myself I will never do this again because I didn't even uh, train properly. I downloaded a training plan (laughs) on the website and and didn't really follow it because I was totally against doing anything over 12 miles because I thought it was just crazy that I have to do 20, 22 miles or even 15 miles. I said, no way, I'm not, I'm not doing it. I'm just going to run till I'm tired and then I'm going home.
2: You, you train so by yourself?
0: I trained by myself. I trained myself because, like I said, I didn't know there were running crews out there, so I trained by myself. And also, when you get to you, also when you get to the village, you realize, like, oh my god, there's a lot of people here. And but, like I said, like after I did finish, I, like I said, of course, I said I'm not going to do another one. But I decided to do another one because I said I'm going to train properly for this one, which I did. So in 2010, I did another marathon, New York City again.
1: <laughs> and do you find that the races are getting easier or harder <laughs> as you do So many pile them up and, and, you know, we all get older. It's harder to run when we're older, but you're going strong. So what's that been like?
0: I feel it's getting easier for me because I'm not putting a lot of pressure on myself. Before I used to run and train, and tell myself I need to do a certain time, but I've gotten away from that. So now I'm just enjoying the process, especially last year when I was training for New York City, I didn't run all year before that, during the shutdown, I didn't run at all. So training for the marathon was, to me was my introduction. Once the opportunity came for me, to do new york city i took it to, to to basically just see what i can do and i wasn't going for a time i just wanted to enjoy the training enjoy the people i was training with and when it was time to run the race to enjoy the race and that's exactly what i did this marathon i really really enjoyed running it
2: so you mentioned that you know you got rid of putting that time pressure and looking back at uh, the fifty marathons that you've run, which one is your favorite? New York City. Hands down? Because, yes, Not New York City. One. So what about <laughs> New York that makes it your favorite, given that you've done it the multiple people. times? The people.
0: The people that are out there um, cheering and screaming for you. They They don't know you, but... I guess they feel like, oh, my God, these people are really out here running a marathon. And I'm sure some of them are looking at us as if we're crazy. But I think down deep inside, people people are inspired by that. They're inspired by the different runners they're seeing. Anyone, to me, anyone that lays up sneakers and go for a run is a runner, no matter what you look like, no matter what size you are. So... And when it comes time to the New York City Marathon, you see everybody out there, every nationality, every every size, every color. You see runners who are legally blind running with their guides. You see runners in wheelchairs with assistance, some without assistance. And even as a runner, when you see things like that, you're, you're motivated like, oh my God, I'm full body, but look at these people out here. Really doing this so the marathon is inspiring and i think it's inspiring to every everybody that's out there watching
2: is there a favorite part for you when you run through the marathon like maybe any of the bridges as a bridge runner any part of brooklyn as a brooklynite as someone who runs all over the city is there like a favorite part for you that you always look forward to or this is that change the end (laughs) <laughs> that's the, the end <laughs> when you're
0: um, when you're coming you know around Columbus circle and you're heading to the park even though it looks like the the starting the, I'm sorry the finish line is not getting any closer but you can in the back of your mind you you're concentrated is getting to the finish line but you still hear the crowd on the side cheering you on so that That keeps you going because I'm sure some of us, even me, I'm like, I just want to stop and walk to the finish line, but you can't because all all those people on the side are cheering for you. So my favorite part is the end.
2: In the middle, or is it just the end? The end. (laughs) (laughs) The end. The end. But it's
0: nice seeing so many people cheering for you along the way.
2: But when you get to the end, you finally say, oh my God, I, I made it. I made it. And you've also run a 50-miler in Bear Mountain. What attracted you to you <laughs> that distance?
0: I was going through um, a bit of depression at the time, and I needed something to occupy my mind. So <clears throat> I knew a runner from Black Girls Run who, who was thinking of running. And um, I decided, you know, I'm going to run it with you. So we ran it and um, it wasn't bad. I can say now it wasn't bad, but it it wasn't really bad because um, we took our time, even though there was a, a time limit, I think of 12 hours. We finished in 10 hours and change. Trail running is for me when I did it, it was sort of a way of getting in in tune with myself. I did a lot of talking to myself. And I think getting away from the city and surrounding yourself with, with nature was very therapeutic for me. So I believe that's one of the reasons why I did it.
3: Sometimes when we've spoken about running, you've often mentioned that running is also mm-hmm. a form of therapy for you. Uh-huh. I, rem- uh-huh. I remember we spoke about like your favorite singer, Lincoln Park, Chester, and his suicide and Chester Beninton. Yeah. Yeah. Can you tell me how, you know, running has helped you and you know what therapy has that brought for you?
0: Once I'm in that state of, of depression, I need to keep moving. And with with running, it just I guess because when you when you go out there, especially if you're running by yourself, I do a lot of thinking when I'm running by myself, my mind wanders to certain events, certain people, certain things. And for some reason, running soothes whatever I'm going through at the moment. Especially, I don't like running in winter, but I find that running in the wintertime, when I'm going through a depression state, the cold air, that comes over me, relaxes me and soothes me. And even running in the snow helps me also. I, I, I can't explain how those sensations help me, but running calms me when I need it. And that's, that's how it has helped me with my depression. It just, it calms me when I'm, when I come home, I feel, I feel much better. I look back at what I was depressed about and realized it wasn't that serious.
2: Do you find it that the conversation about mental health in minority communities, is this still something that is taboo? Is it something that needs to be spoken out more openly? Especially since you just said that you've you dealt with it for, for many years.
0: Mm-hmm it's still taboo people still t- to me people still don't like to talk about it especially especially in the West Indian caribbean community because i feel they don't they don't believe in depression i believe i wouldn't have suffered from my depression as much as i do if i had someone to talk to in my family if you try to approach anyone the first thing they say oh get over it it's not that serious they would just shun you off as you know you're you're talking crazy what do you what do you talk about you don't feel that way but just have a cup of tea and go to bed you know that type of thing so it's still not spoken about so I think a lot of people walk around depressed because they just they just don't have anyone to talk to and if they they feel they want to talk I mean you could tell someone you're you're depressed and and you know the first thing i say well i'm here for you i'm here if if, if if i need if you need to talk to if you need to talk to anyone that's not always true because once you try to talk to them they're quiet because i feel like they don't know what to say and they'll and they'll just do the same thing oh you'll be fine you'll get over it in a couple of days it's not that serious but it is serious especially when you don't have anyone to talk to and you just keep in that inside of you with no and you can't talk to anybody so it just it just festers and anything can trigger your depression seeing someone watching a movie just just little, little things something that someone said can trigger a memory as why you are depressed in the first place so no one really really the talks about I think at one time the running community tried to address mental health but that just lasted for a minute and then you know it was
2: just shunted to the side but yet people are still suffering from mental health every day so what would you like to see in just in the community and also like in the running crews and what are the signs that mm-hmm. people should look to about that someone might be depressed? Because like you said, there are people working around every day who are suffering or are silent. Are they things that you find yourself that you do that kind of let you know you're starting to feel depressed so that we, people can know the signs to look for?
0: Personally, I think you can't look at a person and know they're depressed. People that are depressed only show signs when they're alone. If I'm within a crowd, if I, I say um, tomorrow, I'm going, going on a run with a group and I'm feeling depressed. Once I'm around that group, I will not show signs that I'm depressed. I will cover it because of the fact I don't want anyone to know what I'm going through. Cause, cause most of the time people are depressed don't think anyone cares. So why should I go on a run and show signs that I'm feeling depressed? One, no one's really not going to notice unless you say something. So people are depressed will not show signs that they're depressed unless someone that's very, very close to them know how they are. And we'll and we'll see. Like you know, um, something's wrong with Kim. She's she's very quiet. I wonder what's going on. Maybe that that once that person notices that, will come over and say something. But other than that, no one won't know until you're depressed until you've got Unless it's too late, that person is so depressed they don't have anyone to talk to. The next thing you know, they've taken their life, and then someone will say, well, I knew something was wrong with her because you know what, she just, she just wasn't, she was just very quiet. I knew there was something wrong. So why didn't you say something if you noticed that that person was acting differently? So that's my whole take in it. So I, I, I really don't think, it's just my opinion, but I, I think people in the running community just will not know, just won't notice unless they're very close to that person. I, I hide my depression from people. Unless I tell Jamie, I've, I've, I will tell people who I feel close to and I can trust. But other than that, I will I will not show people how I'm feeling on that particular day. I'll just cover it up.
2: So how do you ask... <clears throat> What you want Jamie and people that are close to you to help you? I don't think I've really asked for help.
0: I think I'll just mention, you know, I'm not having a good day. I'm just feeling depressed. I'm just going to go home and dot, dot, dot. I don't think I've I've asked for help. The reason why I don't ask for help is because I don't want anyone to feel sorry for me. I'm the type of person who, if I'm going through something, I pretty much want to deal with it on my own because I feel people are going through their own stuff. So why put my stuff on them when they're going through their
2: own thing? I think it's very true when you said about asking for help and that, I like guess, especially in minority communities, we get told, well, everybody's always going through something. Mm-hmm. So you just got to push through it. But maybe you know how when you run in a group you feed off the energy of everybody if one day you're feeling low the group will carry you mm-hmm. how about thinking of it in that same way of if you're feeling low the community will carry you when you're feeling mm-hmm. depressed
0: mm-hmm. that that sounds good but as, as I stated before That is a good point. I I could do that, but I'm pretty much stuck on what I'm used to doing. So is it working for me? Some days it is, some days it isn't, but I I make it through. But I don't want to put my pressures or problems on anybody else. So I leave it as it is.
3: It's like we all know how to self-soothe. I think that's why we're I think that's why we're <laughs> distance runners. I think distance runners are masochists, so we know how to tolerate difficulties and pain. <laughs> pain. Let's talk about New York City and and the run crews. You've mentioned that you had discovered crews later on. You got your start with bridge runners. So what's been your favorite part about running in New York City and running with crews?
0: My favorite part is ex- is exploring parts of the city I've never seen. And that, that is one of the, the main reasons why I ran, ran with bridge because I never ran through the city like that before. Manhattan, parts of Brooklyn, I even though I live in Brooklyn, I never visited. <laughs> um, running went into Queens, went into the, the, the Bronx, I never even stepped foot in the, the Bronx while, while growing up because it back then it wasn't a safe place to visit. So <clears throat> running there was eye opening and, and, and also saw some pretty cool places. I could say that that's my favorite part, just exploring, exploring the city. And once other crews started getting formed, then I would venture out to Harlem, Washington Heights to run with other crews, Queens, which showed you a whole different part of those areas.
1: Is there one uh, moment or scene that kind of sticks out in your mind as something that exemplifies exactly what it's like to run New York City that only a a New York City runner would know?
0: I just think the the entire ambience of New York City, especially at, at night, It just, it, it looks totally different from, from the daytime. It's more exciting, especially with all the lights and all the cars and buildings, especially new buildings popping up, areas changing. Because it's funny, because you could run in, you could run, especially in Brooklyn, you could run in an area where... Before, there was a, a storefront, and now a couple couple years later, now it's a high-rise building. So I'm getting to see the city change year after year. That's what's standing out with me right now, because the city is just changing around me. And it's it's looking different, it's, it's looking nice, but at the same time, you're, you, you remember what the old New York, what the old Brooklyn used to look like. And this, everything is is just changing around
1: me. If we were on a different podcast, I could ask you all about old New York, but I want to <laughs> ask you, I want to ask you about your run to DC that ended in the Women's March. Maybe I even mm-hmm. saw you there. Who knows? There were a lot of people there,
0: Probably. there.
1: and you raised a lot of money for Planned Parenthood, right? Could you just mm-hmm. tell us a little bit about what that was experience was like? How it went down? Who you, who you were you with?
0: Allison year, who started Harlem Run, decided that she wanted to do this run. And I saw her post it on Instagram. So I reached out to her and told her I would like to be a part of it. And, and she's just like, okay, let's, let's get you on board. So I ran it with her, and um, of course I can't remember, I'm so bad with names, I can't remember the names of the other two ladies, but I also did it with Arquita, and we left on a, on a Friday night, in, and it was very, very cold. We met, in, we met in Harlem, and we ran all together through Washington Heights over Washington Bridge into New Jersey and I think once I got into New Jersey it hit me like oh my god we're we're running to DC this is crazy and also when we were on the bus what really made me realize that we're doing this when I believe it was three women that met us along the route Because at any point, if you were following us, we had a route where people could jump in and run with us. So there was these three ladies who looked, who had all these flashing things over their running clothes. And they reminded me of jellyfishes because the way they were running and the way they were were lighting up when they were running. So that's when it really hit me that we were doing it. It was an amazing experience. I'm surprised there were no arguments on the bus. (laughs) We all got along and once we reached dc we actually reached dc earlier than we expected so when we got to dc we saw the capitol building we didn't think we could run to the cap run up to the steps of the capitol building but one of the ladies spoke to the garden they're like go ahead just go ahead so that's where we took the picture and that's one of my favorite pictures when i go back and think about it it was a great experience i was definitely do it again if the chance came.
2: So now let's talk about a little bit about how the pandemic changed how we were able to run. Like you said, you also didn't run through the lockdown. Mm -hmm. So how did not running impact you and what role did riding your bike play? Because during the pandemic, you joined the Century Bike Crew and Girls Bike NYC, why was that important? Mm -hmm. It was important for my sanity because before the shutdown, I was
0: training for the Brooklyn half and the New York City half. So once the shutdown came, everything was canceled and I stopped training. And then I remembered I had a bike. (laughs) So I said, you know what? I'm just gonna go and ride. I just ran, rode to the park did a couple loops with park my bike and just people watch. And then I was on Instagram one day and I saw um, a gentleman by the name of Rob posted a picture with him running with a massive group of people. And I asked them, who were you riding with? And he said, "Um, good company, good company bike club. And I found out about their ride. I believe they they rode every Saturday around 11 or 12. Nothing heavy, just light cycling, probably about 9, 12 miles to a neighbor, to a, a place in Brooklyn. So I got my bike, cleaned it off, and decided to go and ride with them. And it just became a thing for that summer. And then little by little, started running, I'm sorry cycling with Good co and Rob decided that he wanted to do a century which is 100 miles to Montauk I believe it was around October I believe it was over 30 or 35 cyclists we met at Prospect Park like 5 o'clock in the morning and we rode to Montauk and after and that was something I never thought I would ever cycle a hundred miles, but it was, it was, I can't explain it. It was a total different feeling from running when, you know, you get to the, the, the point, the, the finish and you feel excited. At first thing was like, oh my God, I just did that because once you get to Montauk, it's nothing but rolling hills. And on a bike where I still didn't know how to work my gears, it was kind of hard for me to fendangle the hills. But we made it there. And after that, they decided to form the group Century Plus Crew. So you could only join it if you did 100 miles with them or with, without them. And then how I started running with girls like NYC, I saw Nicole post that they started this group and they were were meeting in Plastic Park or Central Park and I think one Saturday at nine o'clock I met them in Central Park so that's how I started riding with them.
1: So much of your experience really mirrors my experience getting on a bike just in the sense of like how do you cycle hundred miles and how different it feels on your body than running even an ultra marathon. They're just like mm-hmm. two totally different feelings. But I want to ask you what it's like to ride with a group of dedicated minority cyclists, because often, you know, biking or you know, road cycling is, just, I think in this country, seen as an historically white sport, um, mm-hmm. not so much in New York city, but certainly outside. So what, what is that like? What is that meaningful
0: it's, it's very meaningful because I didn't know that, that there were so many minority cyclists out there because uh, some of the cyclists that were showing up, they had on the cycling gear down to the, the shirt, to the, the tights, the, the shoes. And <clears throat> the only time I've seen that is if I'm running in Prospect Park. And you see the cyclists that are out there training; they are all white. So that was always my vision of cyclists. So when I showed up and seen all these cyclists, I was like, wow, where, where have they been? I, why haven't I noticed them before? <laughs> and where have they been hiding? So I guess because of the pandemic, you saw more cyclists. And like me, many people picked up cycling of a way of dealing with the pandemic. They needed something to do. So if they had a bike, they just took out the bike. And little by little, word got around that, you know, um, the company or Century Plus crew or any other people that, or cycling, just where it got around. And that's all you saw during the summer were all these cyclists out in the street. And I think for many <laughs> people who saw that were probably like, oh my God, wow, this is this is good. And you know, if they cycled, then they would get on board and start cycling.
3: Well, have you had any challenges with cycling? I mean, now you're a distance runner. You've tackled a marathon. You tackled a century. What has been challenges for you in biking? And have you done any races?
0: No, I haven't done any races because one, I'm not that fast and I'm not that strong. I've seen one girl who cycle with us, who has, who is now a, um, she, she does races and the girl is a horse. And then when you see photos of these women and men that are doing, uh, do you just call it cycling racing? Racing cyclists? They're pretty strong looking. I I just don't have the strength to do racing. Maybe if I was serious about it and found a group of people to train with, maybe, but I rather watch than participate.
3: So let's talk about Boston Marathon. Let's let's, let's pivot back to some running stories. You ran Boston Marathon in 2019. Uh, What was that like? Who did you run? I know you ran with Bridge Runners and I believe you ran for Cliff Bar. Was Boston a goal for you? Yes,
0: it it was. But (laughs) I think like all runners who want to run Boston would like to qualify for it. But I was happy for a chance to run Boston. Who isn't? Who doesn't want to run Boston? (laughs) So I said, you know what, I'll take it anyway. I can get it. Cedric Hernandez, who is one of the captains for bridge runners, called me and I thought it was a joke. He said, Oh, you want to run Boston? I'm like, Yeah, sure, why not? So I was waiting after we hung up, I was waiting for him to call me back and tell me it was just a joke. I was just kidding. But I ran Boston, and Cliff Bar was one of the sponsors. That was pretty exciting because I also I experienced food poisoning the night before I ran. So after I wasn't, I was throwing up all night. But felt a little better in the morning. And the ride over, I was feeling somewhat better. But after mile nine, my body totally shut down, and I was just running on pure willpower power to finish.
3: It wasn't pretty. Do you th- foresee yourself mm-hmm. trying to, I guess, run it again, by qualifying?
0: Yes, maybe when I'm 70. No. Uh. <laughs> um. Yeah, I would like. I would love to run and qualify for it the- because as I'm getting older, the time is getting manageable.
2: <laughs> I mean, so. I was gonna say as, <laughs> as you're getting older, you're getting faster, you're staying fit, and like we said earlier. <laughs> Sports Legacy, you know, she was the first woman under 62 to run like mm-hmm. three. And, you know, for you, you got 50 marathons already. So I, I want to just think about if you can let us know when you think about the images that we see of runners, the images that we see of Black women in fitness as older women, where do you see that? space can grow in the as far as like the master runners and what do you want people to say about being in that category and not to be afraid and not to be ashamed I don't know a lot of master runners
0: because right now I'm running with people half my age probably like in their 20s and thirties, maybe some in their mid forties. And even if they are my age, I don't really know because half the people out there don't even look the age that they are. Like I said, I don't know a lot of master runners. I'm not in that place to know so many runners, maybe in, maybe in other crews or other clubs, but the, the folks that I run
2: with are, are half my age. So maybe that's the key to it that you just run with people who are who can keep up with you not purposely <laughs> it's not on purpose
0: i don't feel like i'm in my 50s i think that's that's the that's the whole thing right there i don't feel like i'm in my 50s so i'm not intimidated running with people who are younger than me because I don't think about my age.
3: I think that's the best fountain of youth. Let's just not think about it. Yeah.
0: I, I I just don't think about it. When I go on these runs, like, oh my God, I don't say, well, I can't run with your group because you know they're all a certain age. I have to find people who are my age to run with. So like I said, I don't I don't feel like in my in my 50s and I don't think about it.
3: Do you think that maybe you can inspire um, other women to keep at it?
0: I think I can. <laughs> but the thing is a lot of a lot of people don't know how old I am. That's that's the thing. A lot of people don't know how old I am unless someone tells them. You know, well, do you know how old she is? And then they're like, no, and then they're like, oh, she's 50s. And they're like, what? So, so a lot of people don't know how old I am until the conversation comes up and then someone says, well, she's 50 something years old. So maybe once they do find out how old I am, that's when they, they become inspired or motivated or or some of them say, well, well, I want to, I hope I'm running when I'm your age. That's, that's the, one of the, the answers out here. I hope I'm running when I'm your age.
3: If you had to define, I guess some people are amazed at your age, but if you had to define yourself as a runner now, would you, how would you define yourself as, hey, I'm just um, a Brooklyn girl running, or I'm a woman in a certain age bracket running, or I run Mm -hmm. because I want to bring awareness of XYZ. How would you define yourself now with um, your experience?
0: I would define myself as not as a I can't say a runner as, as a as a woman who's just trying to stay fit and healthy, and running is just one of the ways that I'm doing that. So I am not gonna say I'm a runner. I'm a I'm a woman, a person who just likes who just likes running. And it helps me stay fit and healthy.
1: We've now reached the final segment of the podcast called the Hot Mic.
2: Kim, you have a chance to leave our audience with our final message about whatever you want. Your how you found the Fountain of Youth, how what a rebel you were in high school, uh, your favorite place to get your nails done or even your favorite pins and a story about any of them.
3: (laughs) It's uh, your two minutes of fame, your time to shine. You could tell stories about all your tattoos that uh, I've noticed just recently. Anything, so Nathan?
1: Yeah, I'll uh, just keep a friendly timer, no pressure. I'll start whenever you're ready.
3: Okay, gosh, I don't even
0: wanna talk about any of that think, okay, I'm just gonna wing it. What I want people to to know about me um, and my journey with running and um, all my life experiences is that we have to totally be ourselves. We have to be in tune with ourselves. We have to care about society, care about what's happening in our society, show love to people. I think what's missing from this world is not enough, not enough empathy on people's situation, especially with the pandemic. People are still losing their jobs. People have been thrown out of their homes, out of their apartments, and I feel that people who are doing well because of the pandemic are just concerned with themselves and not other people. I think one of the main main things out there is, is just showing love to people, showing people that you care and not just saying you care, but showing that you care, saying hello to people, people that you don't even know, you know on your travels, say hello, good morning, good night. You don't know by you just saying hello or good morning back to a certain person, you don't know that can mean a lot to them because we can see people and not know what they're going through. Like I said, even before down deep inside, people hide with their feelings. So a, a good morning, a good afternoon, a hello goes a long, long, long way. Basically, um, love yourself also. Don't put too much pressure on yourself. Learn to be in your own company because you're the only person that know yourself very well. So you know your needs and your wants and just love yourself more. Give, your, give yourself a hug in in the morning spend as much time with yourself as you can because a lot of people i feel you can't you can't show love to other people unless you show love to yourself
1: that that was a really beautiful summary of everything you've said today i think it's Mm -hmm. a great way to end our show kim rodrigues thank you for joining us you're our first guest in 2022
0: thank you thank you so much
1: Yeah, it's been a pleasure to have you and to hear about everything that running does for you. And I really relate to the internal world that running brings. So it's interesting to hear an internal runner reflect that back. I think it'll be really wonderful for our listeners. So I just wanted to say thanks again to you and to my co-hosts, Inez and Jamie, and to our listeners who are going to join us in this new year. See you soon. Thanks for listening to Let's Get Uncomfortable. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, rate, and review us on the App Store, and follow us on Spotify.